My name's Kevin, and this is the Bible Artist Podcast. I believe the arts can give us fresh insight into the significance of the Bible and the beauty of the gospel. I also believe the Bible can provide the arts with complex characters and stories with profound vision into the human condition. I've been a fan of Bible art for most of my life, and so over the past few years, I've been exploring popular biblical adaptations, and I've been encouraging Christian communities to discuss and engage with the arts. Sean Sharma is my guest today. He's the actor who plays Shmuel, uh, one of the main opponents of Jesus and a leader of the Pharisees and the Chosen. Uh, he's also a SAG-AFTRA union leader, uh, an acting educator, a writer, uh, former casting session director, does a lot of different things. Um, Sean, before we uh, dig into your role as uh, Shmuel, uh, I'd love to hear a little of kind of your personal story, what got you interested in acting, what you enjoy about it, that kind of thing. Oh, thank you. Um, as for what got me involved in acting, it was a mentor when I was in high school who got me started doing plays. And I started with uh, musicals when I was a sophomore in high school. And at that time, acting for me was a way to kind of escape being Sean for a while. And I got to, you know, disappear into these characters. Um, and so, you know, and with my home life, at the time it was challenging. And so it was nice to take a break from being Sean for a while. And so after high school, I stayed in the Twin Cities, which is where I'm from, Minneapolis, St. Paul. Um, I stuck I stuck around there and I did work as an actor and a musician there for about 10 years. And uh, then I moved to Los Angeles in 2007, where I've been ever since. And uh, for me, acting now is not about escape. Um, for me, is it's now about uh, experiencing a variety of human experiences, being able to almost kind of cheat death in a way where I can mm. get a glimpse of what it's like to live in so many different circumstances as in so many different life stories and et cetera. So I could be a doctor one second and a father, another moment and, you know, a, a space captain, another moment, and, you know, just get to experience glimpses of so many different types of lives. So, um, so that's a little bit about how I got into it. Mm, that's awesome. And I've noticed that in addition to uh, acting, you also play kind of an important role in uh, SAG-AFTRA. Uh, so for listeners who maybe haven't been following kind of all the, the strike and then the recent uh, deal and all that, could you kind of give them a little update on what's been happening? Sure. I'm uh, a board member of uh, SAG-AFTRA, which is the Screen Actors Guild, which merged with the American Federation of Television and Radio Artists about a decade ago. And uh, I've also been serving on our negotiating committee that was um, responsible for the strike that just took place. <clears throat> that strike, of course, is suspended while our members are looking at the tentative agreement and voting on that tentative agreement. Um, but I believe that when I'm not acting or auditioning or developing my own uh, projects or working on something, um, that protecting my profession is my duty. And so, uh, so union service to me is, is part of our job. And uh, I've been serving as a volunteer member of our union and union leadership since 2015 and then joined the leadership community around 2017. Hmm. And could you kind of lay out like what were some of the, the issues that were involved uh, with the, the recent strike? Yeah, the main issue that most people can relate to or are aware of is just 
technology is advancing so rapidly. And so there's now the arrival of artificial intelligence, um, not just to create anything written, like with tools like ChatGPT, um, but also we now have gotten to the point where you can create images that are indistinguishable from real human beings that are not of mm -hmm. real people. And it's just a matter of time until we can create video that is indistinguishable from real, you know, footage from television or film. So one of the big issues our members are concerned about in our you know, strike was about was trying to establish protections from our members being replaced by artificial intelligence in film and television. Um, and then another issue was uh, making sure that we got a increase to our minimum wages that would keep up with inflation because uh, as everybody knows, over the last three years, we've had um, a period of higher inflation. And so uh, our members are working for the same amount of money as they were in, uh, you know, in, in the last you know, three years. Mm. Um, and so we want to make sure they're not continuing to work under uh, those same wages for the next three years because our contracts are three years long. And so we want to try to keep up with the, the cost of living and cost of inflation. So that's another thing. And then we also wanted to make sure that we could provide more funding for our pension and health plans, especially our health insurance plans, which hmm. only cover about 13% of our members. And so a lot of people don't know when you're watching you know, film and television, you would think that these are all actors that are making a lot of money. That's not the case. Most of our hmm. members can't make a living as performers and they don't even have health insurance. And so we're, you know, it's important for us to try to increase more funding to the plan so that we can cover more people. And, um, and then we were also trying to raise the amounts that our members earn from residuals, which is when our work is reused in, you know, whether it's on cable, whether it's on network television, whether it's uh, on streaming platforms. Um, and then also we wanted to have some protections for uh, taping ourselves in our homes for our auditions, which... Um, you know, was something that a lot of the country was doing in smaller markets. But in New York and Los Angeles, uh, the culture before the pandemic was still to do auditions in person. And when the pandemic struck, obviously that wasn't possible. So it all moved to taping ourselves in our homes, which added a whole nother layer of stress and costs mm. and challenges for so many of our members. Um, and so we wanted to get some guardrails around abusive practices in mm. the self-taping of our own auditions. Um, so those are a few of the main issues that we were trying to address. Okay, great. And yeah, uh, as far as the agreement, uh, how do you feel that's done kind of in, in achieving some of those concerns? Yeah, I, you know, have spent the last year of my life as a volunteer member of the negotiating committee, both uh, we get the about a year ago is when we started having member meetings where they could actually uh, come and tell us what they wanted us to change in the contract. And then the negotiating committee prioritized those things and then engaged in the negotiations. And so there is a lot in this uh, tentative agreement that our members are now looking at and voting on. Mm -hmm that um, is, is good. I mean, it's, it, the value of it is around a billion dollars over three years. And so that is gonna be a significant amount of additional money into our union members' pockets. Um, mm -hmm. However, for me personally, I've been very publicly, um, you know, it, I've been very publicly out about the fact that I voted against this agreement in the mm -hmm. national boardroom, um, that I 
uh, am proud of some things in this contract that even I was able to achieve to try to help our members with things like the self-taping challenge and other things. But there are other things that we settled for and other things that happened that just made it impossible for me to approve of the deal mm -hmm. as is. And so it's really a shame to have engaged uh, for the last year and spent so much time helping with this process only to have to oppose the final result. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, so in, in my in my view, uh, we did not achieve the things that we set out to achieve and we left some mm -hmm. major loopholes and vulnerabilities when it came to artificial intelligence that I'm personally not comfortable waiting three years to address because the, the mm. rate of technology changes so quickly. And especially with AI, we have no idea what is, the world is going to look like in three years from now. So uh, for me, I feel like the right time to get the protections we needed was now. Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. There's just so much change that's happened in the past several months. Yeah. Um, so I, definitely in three years, it's hard to imagine where we'll be. Um, uh, but yeah, let's, uh, let's kind of shift and, uh, talk about the chosen a little bit. Um, sure. so, uh, the new Testament, you know, it describes some of Jesus's opponents. Usually it uses kind of general terms like the Pharisees or the teachers of the law. It doesn't name very many specific individuals, uh, but the chosen has, uh, given faces and names to many of those figures. And your character, uh, Shmuel, is probably the most prominent of those. Uh, so before we talk about Shmuel specifically, who were uh, the Pharisees that he's kind of a representative of? Yeah, the Pharisees were the respected kind of religious conservatives of the time who really uh, were the kind of experts on both the Torah and the oral tradition. And so the Pharisees had a lot of respect from the people for being religious leaders and being uh, you know, experts on the law and mm. uh, God's law. And yeah. so, um, you know, so Pharisees are in many ways akin to people today who are just very knowledgeable and, and very strict about following what's in the Bible. Mm. Yeah, that's a good way to contextualize it. Um, I'm curious, like as you prepared for the role, um, were there any stories about the Pharisees, either like in the Gospels or in other uh, sources or other like Jewish writings that either like kind of influenced your understanding or you just thought like, oh, that's a really interesting story? Um, no, nothing in particular, because, you know, my responsibility was to live within the world that was created by the writers for our show. And so in my own story within the show, uh, I, you know, my character Shmuel is a student of Nicodemus and mm -hmm. someone who um, has risen to being uh, a, you know, fairly respected, um, you know, rabbi within the uh, Sanhedrin, or not the Sanhedrin, but in the, the synagogue in our in mm -hmm. our you know, Capernaum, in our, yep. our village of Capernaum, and then later joins, um, you know, or, or wants to become more of a impactful religious leader to try to protect his people from what he sees as just another false prophet. And so mm -hmm. um, I think what was helpful for me more than just any particular story was just putting myself in the position of somebody who feels a responsibility to protect their community 
and mm -hmm. somebody who knows that there are people out there who are false teachers or false prophets. And so um, what I'm hoping that Shmuel reveals for people is that um, people can be wrong, but that doesn't mm -hmm. mean they're bad people. They had good intentions. And in this case, Shmuel just happens to have misidentified Jesus as another false prophet. Yeah, I feel like that's one of the things that's interesting about his character uh, to me is that, you know, even though the show kind of frames him mostly as an antagonist, we can definitely tell that he sees himself as like the hero of his story. Like he's, he's really trying to do what he thinks is right, what he thinks is uh, just and uh, faithful. Um, I think in... Uh, season three, one of my favorite scenes uh, was in episode eight, where Shmuel, uh, towards the end of the episode, he confronts Jesus. And I think he quotes, I think it's like Psalm 13, uh, where he's talking about his enemy being exalted over him. Um, he's, you know, he's trying really hard to protect his community. And he kind of feels like he is like God's suffering servant um, who is, is, you know, working hard, but he, he just can't catch a break. Um, so how do you think like kind of viewing himself as, um, yeah, this, uh, person who is trying to trying hard to protect his community? Um, how do you think that influences his, his perspective and his motivations? Yeah, I don't really see Shmuel as thinking about himself really mm -hmm. much at all. I, I see Shmuel as somebody who is so committed to, uh, protecting the people from a charming new, uh, who he thinks is a con artist or false prophet. Um, you know, the, the most dangerous, um, kind of scam artists in the world are those that you would never expect that are the mm -hmm. ones that seem to be the most genuine. And so they're the ones who can swindle the most people. And so I think it's hard for Shmuel to tell the difference between someone who is and is not. Um, and it's such a big, uh, you know, event to know that the Messiah is here that, you know, it's, it's difficult to even accept or believe that that is mm. happening or that has happened. And so I think that in, you know, for me, I knew in playing somebody who was antagonistic to Jesus at all, I wouldn't have to try to make Shmuel any I wouldn't have to try to portray him in any negative light. I don't, mm. I wouldn't need to be villainous or anything. All I needed to do was really advocate for his mm. point of view and the audience would fill in the rest to see him as a villain or as an, you know, an antagonist or whatever. Although mm. I think most people would look at Shmuel if it wasn't in this context and be proud that mm. somebody is, upholding the law and knows the mm. law and can quote scripture and um, is willing to put himself out there for what he believes in and to protect mm. people. Um, if, if Jesus had not been mm -hmm. the Messiah, then I think the, the, the community would have been so proud that mm. Shmuel worked so hard to protect them from that. And so I guess in this case, he's just wrong but yeah. he's coming from a good hearted place. And mm -hmm. I hope that when people watch the show and watch what Shmuel's journey is, that they have a little bit more grace and tolerance for people who they disagree with, mm -hmm. because, you know, it, it's hard to break out of a rigid belief system. It's hard mm -hmm. to 
unlearn what you've been taught and to have open eyes to see something new. Even mm. if the truth is right in front of you, it isn't always mm. easy to break out of your own point of view. And more than that, I don't know that we want people to so easily abandon mm. their beliefs. Um, so it's, it's tricky. Mm. Do you think that, yeah, it is kind of that rigidity that is kind of his downfall in the show or um, that like prevents him from being able to identify who Jesus is? I think it's, I think rigidity cuts both ways. You know, you, mm. in some, in some ways, if you're not rigid and you compromise your morals or your values or your beliefs, that can be at the you know cost of your soul. But I yeah. think in other ways, if you are too rigid and you can't change, then you may end up being a prisoner of false beliefs and false teachings that could also endanger your soul. So mm. you're kind of, you know, it's kind of tough either way. And mm -hmm. so it's it's I think that's part of why we're called to be so nonjudgmental towards our, mm. you know, our brothers and sisters, because God alone knows really what's happening, you know, but mm. um, but it can be really hard for us, despite our best efforts to see the truth sometimes, you know, so, mm. yeah. Yeah, no, that's it's really insightful. Do you feel like he has any other um yeah, any other weaknesses that can, maybe not even like moral weaknesses, but just things that kind of get in his way as he's trying to carry out his his goals? Yeah, you know, well, sometimes what we think is a weakness in one way is actually a strength in another way. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like, you know, Shmuel isn't necessarily as, you know, charming or as, you know, popular or whatever. Um, you know, he's very... Uh, kind of stressed out a lot of the time and anxious and just trying to solve the problem. And so Shmuel doesn't have as much fun as other characters, you know, can have. Um, but also, I'm not sure that it's easy to strike a balance between being really serious about something and committed to it day and night. And, mm. uh, you know, I think a lot of us struggle with like a work life balance. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, I, I think that Shmuel is you know, just like everybody else, he's got his good points and his, his bad points, but, um, yeah. it comes you know, like he wouldn't be who he is if he was different. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it, it you know, the good comes with the bad. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I really appreciate what you just pointed out there. I feel like that frames him for me in a way that I can really relate to. Um, so I'm going to enjoy continuing to watch and just kind of seeing that aspect of his character. Um, yeah, you know, like, sometimes I wonder, like, man, it's so like, you know, yesterday, over Thanksgiving, um, I met a woman who is working for the United Nations, studying migration patterns of human beings, like when they migrate from one country to another. And hmm. I was thinking, and I even said this to her, I said, I'm so glad someone is doing that, because that's mm -hmm. not me. And I don't, yeah. you know, I, I don't have the personality to want to spend my time doing that. But I'm so glad yeah. that there is somebody who wants to study migration of human beings mm. today for the UN. I'm really yeah. glad there's people that want to work in sanitation and garbage mm. collection and people who want to work in medicine and deal mm. with surgeries and people who want to balance checkbooks and stuff. Like, mm. I'm so glad we're not all the same. And yeah. there really is you know, room for everyone. Mm. Yeah, definitely. So for you as an actor, what do you think has been kind of the most compelling aspect of his character? 
And then what's been maybe the, the biggest challenge? Well, I think the most, the thing that I love most about being in this show as this character is it's very distinct mm. because, you know, if you're one of the disciples, you know, you're all hanging out and supporting the ministry and all of that, the best that you can. But like for me to play kind of a antagonistic role gives me kind of a unique presence within the show mm. that's, that's distinct, even amongst the Pharisees. Yeah. Um, and so I'm very happy to have that kind of a distinct role. I really like playing a character that makes people challenge their own judgment um, because, you know, you may have your opinion about somebody, but then you still want them to be saved. Mm. So um, we have to put that as the first kind of priority is to help mm. them connect with God. Um, mm. And so, um, so I, I really like, you know, people, maybe taking a pause before they judge someone too harshly. Mm. Um, and so I think the challenge, but it's more of an opportunity the way that I see it is how can I play this character in a way that doesn't make him easy to dismiss or make him um, lacking in dimension where people can easily dis mm. you know, like judge him. Um, if I, if I manage to do my job well, I think that Shmuel will be a character that people can relate to themselves mm. because they are all Shmuels on certain issues within their own mm. lives. Like there's things that we're very rigid and stubborn about that I'm mm. sure we could, you know, we could relax or open our minds a little bit more about. Mm. And then there's probably people in our lives that we wish were more flexible mm. or open-minded who are very stuck in a way of being. And so, um, you know, in that that phrase from the pilot episode where, um, you know, Nicodemus says, you know, it was a joke, Shmuel, um, you know, people started saying, like, don't be a Shmuel, like that whole first season, hmm. there was like this catchphrase people would share on the fan forums, et cetera, where they'd be like, don't be a Shmuel. And I think that's something we can say to just about everybody about hmm. something. Yeah. Hmm. But then as you as you pointed out, like there are, you can be a Shmuel in a, a good way too, but yeah. And, but then you can also recognize like, yeah, it's really, it's, re it's really frustrating sometimes when someone is stubborn or, or yeah. rigid in their beliefs. And, but that's good. In some cases, that's really good because you depend, our society relies on people following the rules. Otherwise it would be chaos. So we don't want somebody we don't want society to be all change and no uh, structure. You know, yeah. you want to have structure. Well, I imagine as you've been doing the negotiations and stuff, you, you kind of want to like really be firm with, you know, certain things and really trying to advocate hard for those things. So um, it's not easy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so kind of looking forward, uh, season four is coming out in a couple months and yeah, I'm curious you know, I know you probably uh, can't give tons and tons of details, but uh, from what you can share, what's ahead for Shmuel? Yeah, you know, the only thing I can say is it's quite an accomplishment for a little show like ours to have grown where it already has. And we're not even halfway done with the, sh the seasons being released. We have seven total seasons planned and we're about to launch season four. And not only are we launching it, 
we're launching it in theaters so people can actually go to their big movie theater local you know in their area and go see the the entire show in the movie Mm. theaters and that's so cool that's so new that that's that's something that the chosen it's one of the many things the chosen has kind of pioneered is this you know watching a show in the movie theater um so in terms of like what i hope people uh enjoy about this next season is you know we get to see a different side of shmuel than we have in the past because Hmm. you know at at the end of the third season he has an encounter with jesus that changes Hmm. him and so Hmm. I hope people will really enjoy that. Oh yeah. No, I'm really excited to kind of see how he continues to process that moment and a lot of the things that he was going through um, in that mm-hmm. final episode. Um, I th- there was that other uh, character that he uh, encountered too. So I'm, I'm curious to see how they interact and mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. Anything else just as you kind of look ahead to the, the future of the show um, kind of what, gets you excited about it uh just um what are you what are your feelings about kind of continuing to participate in, in the chosen well the being on the show has given me the stability as a performer to be able to um take care of loved ones in my life and also to be able to volunteer more for my community so i'm really mm-hmm. grateful for that and i'm grateful that we've got another three-ish years left before the chosen is complete with its seven seasons um, and I know that there, this, uh, you know, incredible community and, and crew and, and, uh, staff around the chosen are already thinking about what projects would come next. And so I'm excited to see what they do next. Um, there's no guarantee that I or anybody else will be a part of those projects, but, um, it's going to be really fun to see that I was part of the first project that kind of gave birth to this kind of world of, of stories, um, and uh, and then after that, you know, I'm just I really hope that as many people see the show um, as possible. The the goal of the show was to reach a billion people, and I think it'll reach that and more. And uh, mm-hmm. I do think this show is something that is a wonderful inspiration for people to crack open their Bibles again and start reading mm-hmm. scripture. And and uh, and if it helps them to, you know, to relate to the stories more or if it opens their eyes about kind of what it might have been like to be alive 2000 years ago at the time uh, and that gets them more excited about scripture then great you know the show has always said from the beginning that it is not in any way shape or form meant to replace the need to read the bible it's meant to be a a dramatic television series that tries really hard to never uh, contradict scripture um mm-hmm. and so that way uh it's uh it's just a tool in service of bringing people to Christ. Yeah. And I, I try to kind of beat that drum of just reminding people if they get offended by little tweaks and changes that, you know, that's, that's what the show is all about is just trying to, you know, entertain people, show them things about Jesus, but also drive them to, to reading scripture. So really appreciate you. Yeah, You're not going to be able to make everybody happy, especially in a community that has so many different, you know, denominations and, yeah. and views and all that. So you try to do the best you can. Um, and the show has uh, an incredible community and team behind it, many of whom are believers. And then uh, another panel of a Catholic priest, a messianic rabbi, as well as a, you know, a, a pastor. Um, and so they're there to provide guidance to try to avoid, mm. you know, as much unnecessary, you know, 
mistakes or issues as possible. But um, ultimately, you're trying to make a, a, a television show that people will enjoy. And so there is some creative license that's necessary. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, okay, well, Sean, before we uh, close out, do you have any other projects or other things that you're doing that you'd like to share with us? Um, I think, I mean, I've, I've always got stuff going on. I produce table reads on a regular basis where mm -hmm. we bring scripts to life that have been written by amazing writers, including mm -hmm. members of the Writers Guild. And um, and there's a podcast called Table Read Podcast that where we take some of our favorite scripts into a studio and record them. And then my uh, partners do all of the post-production sound to bring it to life with sound effects and music and all of that, where it sounds amazing like you're listening to a, a hollywood movie or something and hmm. so not every one of those episodes is like family appropriate but uh, it should be pretty well marked which ones are like more like uh you know family friendly and which ones are are not um hmm. and then i've got a couple of movies that i shot that are out um one's called bone cold which is kind of like a, a study about soldiers having uh ptsd coming back from a special operations mission and then Another one that is coming out in a week is called uh, Cheryl, which is about, you know, people being obsessed with being perfect in the world of social media and, and a kind of a horror comedy situation of uh, a woman taking it too far, trying to be the perfect woman. And um, so, I'm, yeah, I'm always kind of being creative and trying to do things. And um, but, you know, The Chosen is my main focus here for the next mm -hmm. few years. And um, and I'm really looking forward to meeting as many of our uh, supporters as possible. Cause as a crowdfunded show, you know, everybody who watches the show and contributes whatever they can to it, um, they help make it possible. Mm. Well, yeah. Thank you so much. I, I hope that kind of, yeah, through the, the podcast, uh, this will, uh, help you to connect to, to more viewers and to more people who might be interested in the show. Um, and yeah, just really appreciate, uh, a lot of insight that you gave into the character and yeah, just what you've been bringing to him. So uh, thanks a lot, Sean. I, uh, it's my really, pleasure. Uh, thanks for the invitation. Yeah. And, and thank you everyone who's been listening. Uh, it's been the, the Bible artist podcast. Hope you have a, a happy Thanksgiving and a Merry Christmas. Godspeed.